0: It's the Bible. All right, turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. Lord willing, we'll get through the entire text. If we don't, we'll pick it up next week. 1 John chapter 4. And again, we've been looking at 1 John. We know that this is during a time when uh, the church is about 40 years old or so. Uh, there has been a, a lot of persecution on the church. More than likely, most of the other apostles have already been martyred by now. We don't know that for sure. But John is writing this letter because False teachers have raised up. So they had persecution from the outside and false teachers raising up from the inside. And so he's bringing them back to the focal point of the, of the truth about who Jesus is. The Gnostics were the ones that were teaching, you can give your life to the Lord and go live like the devil and still be saved because your spirit can be saved and your flesh is wicked. And so throughout 1 John, he's been correcting all of that. And the last couple of chapters, he's really focused on love. And we've talked about it the last couple of weeks and so this morning, we're going to look at love in action. The word love there is agape. It is a selfless love, and you love someone outside of yourself more than yourself. And so beginning there, uh, let's go through the outline real quick. It's on the flip side of the other one, if you were looking at it. I the message love in action. Here are the five points. If we have time, we'll get through. Number one, your love for God will be seen in your love for your brother. So it's, it's one thing to say you love somebody, and it's another thing to show it. So one thing to say we love God, and it's another thing to live it out. Amen? Amen? By your fruit, they shall know you. It says in John 13, by all this, we will know you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. One of the things we hear often at this church, and I, I appreciate that that's the truth, it's, it's a credit to all of you, that when people come, they'll say, man, your church is a loving church. Well, that should be for every church. Amen? They shall know us by the love we have one for another. Number two, if you truly love God, you will love his children. Have you ever realized that the other people in this room, he's our, we're all brothers and sisters, and he is our heavenly father. Amen? So we're family. Blood is thicker than water, but uh, Holy Spirit's thicker than blood. When you have Jesus in common, you have everything in common. It will be evident in the way that we love on God's children. That's one another. Number three there, you will love God. Your love for God and his children is made known by your obedience to his word. You know, if you truly love somebody, if you love your Heavenly Father, you will obey him. And it's true, this is a, an exhortation I have when I was a youth pastor, because you'd have kids that say, I'd say, well, do you love your parents? Well, yeah, do you obey them? Well, not really. Well, you don't love them then, to some degree, Amen. Because if you love them, you will allow them to speak into your life and you'll recognize that they love you and they know what's best for you and you will honor them and you will obey them. And that's one of the exhortations we will see in love in action. Your love for God and your children will be made known by obedience to his word. Number four there, if you truly love God, his commands are a blessing, not a burden. Guys, the word of God, again, you've heard me say it a hundred times, one more won't hurt you. we got new people here today. Again, it's the word of God is not a fence to keep you out of Disneyland. It is a guardrail to keep you from driving off a cliff. God's not trying to keep you from fun. He wants to keep you from harm because he knows what's best for you. Amen? Amen. We are all idiots compared to God. Amen. Amen? I'm glad somebody recognized it. Amen? But we are. And so... God knows better, and, we, and we're, we're foolish, left unto ourselves. We're the foolish things of the world. But when we know the Lord, when we hear his word, and even if we don't understand it, we praise him in the midst of it. No matter what God has called us to do, he knows better. Guys, he said light, and there was Light. He put the stars in the sky. He holds the universe in the span of his hand. He sent his son to suffer and die that we might have eternal life. Why in the world would we not trust him when he commands us and instructs us to do something because he knows what's best for us, amen? And then finally, if you believe my faith that Jesus is the son of God, you will overcome the world. So let's pick up there in verse 20 of, I gotta flip over to 1 John chapter 4. It's in the back of your Bible. We'll be in Revelation pretty soon. Who's excited about that? It's coming. Perfect timing. Amen. <laughs> Hopefully, we get to chapter one. Well, I'd rather see him face to face than see him described face to face in chapter one. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Love in action. Your love for God will be seen in your love for your brother. Look at what it says in verse 20. It says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? liar. A liar. If you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. So in the church today, we have people that have animosity and hatred toward other people that are believers. And that is not a biblical concept. You know what? We're all God's children. Now, how many parents we got in here? Do you love it when your kids are fighting with each other? When they're throwing blows and haymakers and throwing stuff at each other? Do you think that's a wonderful day? You happy about that? Now, look, we're we're finite moms and dads, and we love our children, and it breaks our hearts when they are are fighting each other. How much more does it break our Heavenly Father's heart when those that He went to the cross and suffered and died for poured out His Holy Spirit upon, and they're fighting with each other? Now, let me just say this. There are things that that we have to take a stand on when it comes to the essentials of the Christian faith. Amen? Amen. If someone rejects the uh, the deity of Christ, if they re- they deny the crucifixion, his resurrection, right, the virgin birth, if they deny the authenticity of Scripture, that it's all inspired by God and it's the, all the truth, it's the whole counsel of God, again, even in that case, we shouldn't be angry, but we should take a stand and be firm on it. Amen. But here's what I have found to be true. Most Christians who are in these battles with each other, it's not essentials, it's secondary issues. You mean you only baptize, you need baptize people in the name of Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're only supposed to baptize in the name of Jesus. Oh, you put them back or we do it forward. You know, what are you talking about? And you have people that want to debate you and send me 57 page letters on why they're right and go witness to somebody with all the time you spent writing me this letter. Can I get an amen to that? But here's what happens. is too often there's that mentality where people are fighting over non-essentials. Well, you guys have drums at your church, that are from the devil. I've had people tell me that. Stop it, there's symbols all over the Bible. Read Psalms, stop it, amen? <laughs> but the point is, we shouldn't be debating over, I, I have, there's people, if you don't wear a suit and tie, I thought you were saved. You don't, you don't teach in a suit and tie, I thought you were saved. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. Let's not let the Bible get in the way. But here's the reality. <laughs> The reality is that we do not want to stand a firm ground with our brothers and sisters in Christ over something that's a secondary issue. Amen? We're all one in Christ. I'm as excited when someone gets saved at the church down the street as when they get saved here. Amen? Again, you know, it doesn't matter which boat they get in as long as they get to shore, right? And so we want to see people saved. We want to see God glorified. And we don't want to fall into the trap of dividing. So he says, if you hate your brother and you say, you're, you say that you're, you love God, you're a liar. They shall know us by the love we have one for another. And again, if someone says, I love God, it's easy to say you love God. It's a little harder sometimes to show it. Amen? Oh, I love God, really. True love for God goes beyond words, produces godly action. The Bible tells us that it is by our fruit that they will know us. Fruit speaks of a godly action and attitude and character, not just grand claims. By the way, anybody that comes up and tells you all the amazing work they're doing for the Lord has a pride issue, amen? Let me tell you the 500 things I've done for Jesus. Boy, Jesus is really stoked. You're on his team. What would he do without you? No, that's not the reality. We need him. He doesn't need us. He chooses to use us and praise God for it, amen? And again, sadly, we live in a world right now where I don't know how long it's been, but I remember a while back that something like 65% of Americans said they were Christians. We know better. You know we know better? Because our country wouldn't look like this if 65% of the people were Christians. Amen? See, by your fruit, they shall know you by the things that you say. And you know, you, and I'll tell you what you want to see hating your brother. How about killing babies? Is that hating your brother? So you can't, so there are things that we will make a stand for. Let's be kind, let's be loving, let's be gracious. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread for the bread, but we need to make a stand for the truth. Amen? But always be loving. Our nation says that we love God, but they're trying to take him out of everything. Amen. Let's make a stand for the things of the Lord, but let's love one another. Again, if I love and I hate my brother, John 13 says, By this we'll all know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. He says, you're a liar. What are you lying about? You're saying you love God, but your actions prove you don't. Because if we love God, we will love each other. Amen? Maybe some of you are convicted right now that you know there's people you need to go get right with. I encourage you to do that. Do that today. Amen? We say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. And that's what it says there right below that. It says, for he, in verse 20, who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? See, it should be easier for us to love the person across the table from us than it is the one that we've never seen in person. All things we can do in a deeper way with the Lord when we mature. Our love for the invisible, for the visible, is seen in our love for the visible. Our love for the Lord is seen in how we love people standing right in front of us. One of the main things I love about my son and I miss about Mark is that he was always giving stuff away and he was always other, he was the most others-focused person I've ever seen and he would never take anything for himself and I would be convicted. I'd go buy him lunch and we'd stop at the stoplight. He'd see a homeless person he'd jump out of the car and hand him his food and say, I, I ate enough today anyway. And I think just little things where your focus is on other people and that's, that's a Christ-like attribute, amen? We need to be others-focused. Jesus, others, yourself. That's how you have joy, amen? True agape love goes beyond words. We speak and proclaims it. And even in the words that we sing, Pastor Chuck used to say, uh, Christians don't just uh, tell lies, they sing them sometimes. (laughs) He he used the example, I surrender all. He's like, really? Some of you should be singing, I surrender some. Amen? (laughs) But the reality is that as believers, it needs to go beyond what we say, and it should be seen in how we live. And again, if we love God, we're going to love God. Our brother. How can we love God if we don't love our brother? Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. He's being repetitive here because it's important. You'd notice it says it's a commandment, it's not, a, it's not a, a suggestion. You know, the Bible doesn't have 10 suggestions, it has 10 commandments. Amen. And he says, This is a commandment that you love your brother. This is a commandment that you you love and serve and care for them. And yet it's not a suggestion to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. We often think of love as some kind of uncontrollable force that grabs a hold of us and makes us feel excited or, or gives us butterflies in our stomach. Here's what you need to know. Love is a choice. You choose to love people. Aren't you glad that God chose to love you? And we choose to love people. And when we choose to love people, if we truly choose to love them, it will follow in our behavior. And I, I believe this to be true too. When you choose to love somebody, the feelings will ultimately follow. See, the only source of true agape love comes from God. We talked about this. I don't have time to do it. But, you know, agape is, is a selfless, loving out, somebody outside of yourself more than yourself. Eros is selfish love. It's not love, it's really lust. What can you do for me? Phileo is still conditional on the other person's behavior. Agape is loving someone outside of yourself more than yourself, whether they deserve it or not. It's a love that is unconditional. It's okay. Didn't do those notes anyway. All right, thanks. It's unconditional love, and it's a love, again, that should continue on regardless of whether the person we think deserves it. And that's the way that the Lord treats us. You know, we, we are to have that unconditional love, loving someone outside of ourselves more than we love ourselves. Amen? And so love is a choice, and being born again and abiding with the Lord gives us an ability to love, but it is a choice of our will to draw upon the resource. So God's given you the resource to love everybody. Do you know that? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is agape. It's Galatians 5.22. So he's given you the ability to love everybody. Now it's up to you to take the ability he's given you and put it into practice, amen? So that's the exhortation is that we would be faithful to use the gifts God has given us to love people the way that he loves them. You know, I just can't love that person. If I started loving that person or when I start, these are all unacceptable excuses in God's eyes. And you know what? Jesus loved the people that were were scourging him, amen? Amen? People love the people that were crucifying him. And we'll choose not to love people because they didn't like our latest selfie. Amen? I actually do need the outline because it just blew away. Anybody got an extra outline? Thank you. See, this is more proof of the fallibility of your pastor. I have not memorized this, okay? I wrote it out this morning, but I did, haven't memorized it. All right. Actually, it just came. here. You're taking notes. I don't want you to lose those. All right. So it's not that you can't love people, it's that you won't, amen? It's not that you can't, it's that you won't. It's an unwillingness to love your brother, it's an act of rebelling against Almighty God, not always easy. Are there some Christians that are unlovable sometimes? What's the answer? Are you unlovable sometimes? Okay. So we need to love the unlovable, amen? And don't be looking at your spouse right now, knock it off, don't do that. It says, he who loves God must love his brother also. We learn how to love God by loving people. See, he's easy to love because he's perfect. And it's easy to love because, you know what, he, he doesn't wake us up in the middle of the night. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything, right? So he's, all he's done is everything for us. So he's easy to love, but that exact, the way we exhibit that love is to love others. Point number two there. Along with your love for God will be seen your love for your brother. If you truly love God, you will love his children. Look, it says in verse 1 of chapter 5, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who was begotten of him. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ and is born of God, born from above, born again, while John's emphasis has been upon loving others, and while loving others is fruit of salvation, John wants to make sure that we understand the source of that love, and it comes from God. So it's when the Lord comes to live inside of us, we become new creations. So before you knew the Lord, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, you were headed to hell without the Lord, you had no relationship with him, and you were spiritually blind. Then the Holy Spirit you know, brought conviction into your life. The gospel opened your eyes to the truth. You repented. You turned away from that life you were living. You surrendered your life to the Lord. You became a new creation in Christ. He wrote your name down the Lamb's book of life. His Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, and you have the promise of heaven. Guys, there's nothing better than that, amen? But when that happens, the way that we love people and the way that we love the Lord, the way that we do things, everything about us should change. It's all different. We're new creations in Christ. So what is the source of salvation? It's, it's, it's not what, it's who, it's Jesus. It's not enough to believe in God or that Jesus came and lived and died. You must come to a place of trust and total reliance upon Jesus as, the sa- as your Lord, your God, your Savior, and your King. Again, believe not just intellectually, but surrendering your life fully to the Lord. Your life is not your own. You belong to him. We're born again when we put all of our trust in Jesus, again, as our Messiah, our savior, and our redeemer. And as Messiah, not a Messiah, he's the only Messiah. There's no other way. One way God said to get to heaven and, I guess I'm the only old guy here. Jesus is the only way. It's an old song we sing in Sunday school. One way God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. Amen? Good thing to remember. So Jesus is the Savior of the world. He alone is the answer, and He alone is the ultimate example of what love looks like. Greater love hath no man than this, that He lays down His life for His friends. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten son. So everyone who loves him also loves those begotten of him. So if you truly love God, you will love his children. You will love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, if you love dad, you'll love his kids. Amen. No Christian should ever say, and I've heard, I've had people say, well, you know, I love, I love, I would like to be in ministry. I just don't like people. And I actually know pastors like that that will tell me my worst hour of the week as soon as I say amen after the sermon, I wish there was a slide that would just open up and I could slide out to the parking lot, get in my car and drive home and go watch football. And I'm like, man, I'm glad I don't go to your church. Can I get amen to that? But the point is that that there should be a, a, a love for people. I don't want a shepherd that doesn't like sheep, amen? And that exhortation here is that we love each other. Christians aren't always easy to love but I love this. I love this quote. It's been said, the only thing that made the smell within the ark tolerable was the flood outside. <laughs> I hear people that go to, oh, I don't want to go to church, a bunch of hypocrites down there. I'd rather be in an ark with a bunch of hypocrites than trying to swim with a bunch of other people. Can I get an amen to that? So yeah, we're not perfect people, but that's why we have a perfect Savior. Amen. And because he is perfect, we need to love each other just as we are because Jesus did that for us. Amen? And what's the alternative to turn to the world? Our common ground. You know what? Our common ground is not where we live, how we grew up, our financial status, the color of our eyes, the color of our skin, the color of our hair. You know, it's not, it's not our favorite football team. It's none of that. All these things, our commonality is the throne of grace. Amen? It's the cross of Calvary. It's the shed blood of our Savior. And we have Him in common. We have everything in common. Amen? What about if somebody's from a different political party? Does stuff? Yes, the Lord wants you to love them. Can I get an amen to that? Amen? We don't want to be divided by politics or divided by anything else. We want to just be faithful to the Lord and faithful to point people to Him. Again, I'll never forget this quickly. It's been a lot of years ago. Uh, you know, I have three boys, uh, one is in heaven now, but they're all within 26 months. And so believe it or not, I broke up a few fights. You know, they're within 26 months. And the youngest one was bigger than the two older ones, and he didn't put up with stuff sometimes. And I've had to, I broke my glasses one time doing this, right? And I'd get between them. And they love each other, but they have moments, But I'll never forget this, I don't know if my wife remembers it, my son was a quarterback in high school on the JV, he was younger than his brother, and his older brother was on varsity, and we went to this game, it was far away, and my son had become the quarterback, it was a new year, and it was his first time playing quarterback, and he threw four touchdown passes. And you know, I'm a dad just jumping up and down with my camcorder, and when my son, the bus got there from varsity, they saw my son throw a long touchdown pass, and my son ran, Johnny jumped in David's arm and hugged him. And he's like, man, got you, bro, love you, bro. That was awesome. And you know what? I'm excited about the touchdown. My wife comes over and goes, they're hugging. <laughs> Look at our, our boys are hugging. <laughs> that's what the Lord loves when his kids are hugging. Can I get amen to that? He loves it when his kids love each other. I was like, well, that's his fourth touchdown pass. That's my boy. She said, they're hugging. Amen. <laughs> Point number three, your love for God and his children is made known in your obedience to his word. Look at verse two. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and what? Keep his, keep his commandments. Oh, he threw that in there. Love, love, love. I get that. Obey, obey, obey. Oh, I don't know about that. It says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In the original language, it means if you habitually, continually, repeatedly, Love me, you should habitually, continually and repeatedly keep my commandments. The highest form of worship is obedience. Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. So the, the way that we show love to God is we obey his word. We say, Lord, we trust you. We're going to praise you no matter what. And Lord, even when I don't want to, I'm going to obey you because I know you know what's best for me. Mean to keep to means there to more than observe them, but to guard the commandments. More than just keeping the word, more than just being obedient to it. That word keep there literally means to guard the word of God, to guard his commandments. A Christian who does not love God or keep his commandments is of no value to the body of Christ. Amen? If you're walking in disobedience and you don't love one another, you're more of a detriment than an attribute to the kingdom of God. But that can all change today. Again, even though And it says there again in verse three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. See, when I witness to a lot of people, one of the things they'll say right off the bat is, well, if I give my life to Jesus, then I got to give up some stuff. But the reality is this, if if you have to give up some stuff, it's stuff you shouldn't have anyway because it's harmful. Amen. I had, a, I had a, a lady I witnessed to for years at work, and she said, "Well, me and my husband we talked about like coming to your church, but we'd have to give up, Wednesday, you know, whiskey Wednesday and, and wine Friday or whatever." And I'm, I'm like, "So is that what you want to go to hell for? For Jack Daniels? I'll follow Jesus Christ. Gotta get an amen to that." But sadly, we think we're gonna have to let something go. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're dating an unbeliever, and you're like, "Well, if I give my life to Jesus, I can't be with this person." Well, you, you're right. Because you don't want to be in the Cleopas. We'll pray for that person, and maybe that person will get saved too. But you know what? If you put a relationship or money or a job or popularity or anything else before Jesus Christ, you have a false idol that you need to destroy. Amen? We don't want to put anything above the Lord. He's first. Amen? He's, you know, the Bible says that you're the pearl of great price for Him. We say that we have fellowship, verse John 1:6 again, with God and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. How do we, again, get the whole family on the same page? We all obey the rules that were handed down by dad, amen? And they're not yokes of bondage, it's freedom. It's freedom when you know that God says, this is good. Oh, praise God that I know this is going to be good. Not that we're not going to go through trials, but what, you know, the Bible tells us that you know, obedience is a blessing and also tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. When you disobey God, you've heard me say this: fellowship or rebellion, choose one. Amen? If you rebel against God, you won't be in fellowship with God. And if you're in fellowship with God, you won't want to rebel against God. Amen? You wanna obey his word. Again, one kind of rebellion brings great heartache to a family. And again, it's when you've got a blessed marriage and blessed, and then one child rebels and it's heartbreaking for the whole family. And the same is true in the body of Christ, amen? When someone who claims to know the Lord makes a conscious decision just to walk away and live outside of God's will, it ruins everything in a lot of ways for that family and the children. Again, obeying the rules, there's health in the family. It brings joy and blessing to the father's heart, the mother's heart. When we love God and we obey his word, we're a great blessing to the family of God. When you go your own own way and you rebel against God, it hurts not only you, but it hurts the whole family, amen? Anybody ever brought up when somebody falls and then like, well, there's your buddy. Every time a pastor falls, I get phone calls or texts or emails. Oh, here's another one of your buddies. Check it out. You got busted for committing adultery and they threw him out of the church and another one of you hypocrites. And see, that hurts the whole family. I don't even know the guy, but amen. What does it do to the cause of Christ? It makes it look like, and I have to always tell them, don't put your eyes on people. You'll always be Disappointed. We've got to finish up. Point number four there. If you truly love God and his commandments, again, they are a blessing and they're not a burden. I love that. And again, as Christians, when you obey God, you will be, again, going against the flow of the world. You need to know that when you obey God, the world won't like it. Amen? When you stand for the things of God, you're going against the flow, right? Any dead fish can go with the flow. You've heard me say that, right? You just throw it in the lake, it'll go with everything else. As Christians, we should be going against the flow always, the flow of this world, amen? And so as believers, we make a stand for him. Every command given from a father's heart out of love for us, every command is an expression of what is best for us and again, his desire that we should walk in obedience to him. So you have a choice, follow the world or obey God. And when you follow the world, how's that working out? and in God's word we see it's not a burden, it's a blessing, it's a joy. It's such a, it's such a get-to. Doesn't mean there are not always difficult times to obey God, but it means they're a joy in the heart of those who truly love him. Final point, if you believe by faith that Jesus is the Son of God, you will overcome the world. Look at verse 4 and 5. For whatever, whoever, whatever, is born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you are having, the Bible says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So as long as we live in this world, we're going to deal with tribulation. We're going to deal with trials. But who can have victory in the midst of that? The one who has put his faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Faith gives us the strength to stand against the world. The, the life of abiding faith and trust in Jesus Christ is the life that overcomes the pressures and temptations of the world. I've gotten to the point, I've been a pastor for 34 years, I've been a Christian for 55 years, and I still have a lot of growing to do like we all do, amen? But that being said, I'm at a point in my life right now that when the enemy attacks, I get excited. Because that means God wants to do something great. Amen? Amen? I want to to just, let's just stand right here. You can't threaten us with heaven, amen? That's why you've heard me say We will never close this church, ever, ever, ever. I don't care if the bubonic plague comes and people are dropping dead by looking at each other, we're still going to have church on Sunday. Can I get an amen to that? Because we're going to stand for the things of God and not for the things of the world, amen? We want to see people saved, lives changed. The enemy wins when we shut everything down for the Lord, amen? This victory is overcome by what? Our faith. And it's not faith in faith, it's faith in Jesus Christ, amen? Faith is only as valuable as the thing we place our faith in. We don't have our faith in faith, our faith in the things of this world, put our faith in Jesus Christ. See, the world's way is hard and heartbreaking and empty and painful. The world produces only empty, broken, and separated lives. You know what? If you describe success as somebody who's accomplished a lot in the world, you've misplaced what success really is. I'll meet parents and I get it. Oh, my son's doing great. Yeah, he got a new job. He got a promotion. He just got his master's degree. He just bought a new house. He just did this. You know, he's not walking with the Lord. He's totally rebelled against God and wants nothing to do with the Lord. But other than that, he's doing great. Well, that means he's doing horrible. Amen? Give me kids digging ditches and loving Jesus and I'll be happy. Amen? We want people on fire for the Lord and that's what really matters in this life. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Again, verse 5 there. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes? Here to overcome the world, we must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We had a divine appointment last night, Pastor Mike and I. So he was driving on the freeway to go to his daughter's grave, and they hit a fence on the freeway. That's not usually not good, right? You don't want to hit a fence on the freeway. But it had come up from under another car. It got attached to their rental car. They pulled over. Well, it scratched up the front of the rental car, and so he called the guy to come out last night and buff the scratches out, and so he was out there till late, and we went out there and started talking to him, and, and uh, I just said something. I said, well, before you go, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? And he goes, uh, heaven. He goes, Cause, and he's putting something, because I'm a good man, and I haven't done anything wrong, so I'm sure I'd go to heaven. Mike and I, well, there's that answer we get all the time, Amen. Long story short, we shared with this guy. We talked about the fact that he's the sinner. He recognized that, and then he was getting calls from his kids. And I finally I said to him, "Not only is it concerning about where you go, are you concerned about where your kids spend eternity?" "Oh yeah," I said. "But you have a hope, so you need to know so. And here's how you know so: you believe in Jesus Christ." Amen. And that's what this text says. And guess what? We prayed with that, that man in my driveway and he gave his life to the Lord last night. And so that fence in the road was a bridge for him to go to heaven. Can I get an amen to that? So, God, so So guys, and we have nothing to do with it. We're just tools in the hands of the master, amen? We have nothing to do with it. God does all of it. He gets all the glory, amen? But what we need to be is available. Pray for opportunities to point people To Jesus. Guys, Jesus is the answer. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. We should be unashamed of the gospel. We should be singing praise songs when we're walking through the grocery store, praying for divine appointments. Can I get an amen to that? We want to see people saved. So, in closing, love and action. First of all, for love, your love for God will be seen in your love for your brother. If you truly love God, you will love his children. Your love for God and his children is known in your obedience to his word. If you truly love God, His commands are a blessing, not a burden. And if you believe by faith that Jesus is the Son of God you will overcome the world. Guys, you plus God is a majority. If God is for you, who can be against you? It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't doesn't matter how popular it is. It doesn't matter how many people vote for it. They can't vote God out of office. Our focus should always be on him and him alone. And guys, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Amen? Amen? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. We thank you, Lord, for just... the the truth that we find in your word, that you wrote it down for us. We don't have to wonder if it's the truth, but we know that it is. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the Holy Spirit that we can understand your word. We thank you that you've drawn us unto yourself. We thank you for the ultimate gift of your son, suffering and dying on the cross of Calvary, that we might have eternal life. I know we've gone a few minutes long, but if you're here this morning, I pray that today's the day of salvation if you don't know the Lord. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. As we told this young man last night in the driveway, salvation is offered universally, but it must be accepted individually. See, Jesus died for all of us. He desires that none should perish, no, not one. And he offers you salvation, but he won't force it on you. And going to church by itself won't save you. Reading your Bible by itself won't save you. At some point, you need to come to a place where you accept that free gift of salvation, the work of grace upon the cross of Calvary, and you reach out and respond and say, I want to surrender my life to the Lord. I want to make him more than my Savior, but the Lord of my life. If you're here this morning, you've never done that. And and the Holy Spirit has pierced your heart this morning. And that that gift of salvation is being offered universally And your heart is to respond and say, yes, I'm ready to confess openly my love for the Lord. I want to surrender my life to him. I know I'm not perfect. I know I need a lot of help. That's all of us. Don't let the enemy cause you to walk away because you don't think you're worthy. None of us are. That's your desire. The Bible says you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. If you're here today and you want to confess him before men, just raise your hand right where you are and we'll pray with you. Anybody at all. Don't leave here without him. Lord loves you so much. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lord loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. May today be the day of salvation. If that's your heart today to surrender your life to the Lord. You can, again, it really comes from your heart. It's not any magic words, but here's a prayer that we can pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is God that he died on the cross that he rose from the dead and Lord I ask you to forgive me for my sin Lord to be more than my Savior but the Lord of my life help me Lord to walk with you thank you Lord your word tells me that when I confess my sin that you are faithful and just to forgive me thank you for forgiving me Lord Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.